Seven billion people. Seven billion. Holy shit, right? As I sit here in the heart of one of the most populated countries in the world and contemplate the very idea of that number of human beings of all stripes, colors, races, creeds, it's a bit staggering. The concept of seven billion people is kind of abstract and potentially awful or potentially amazing. One of many, many thoughts that sparks is that our tendency to generalize about one another is not simply a matter of pigeonholing each other into categories that promote the prejudging of the various tribes and clans and racial groups, but perhaps a matter of surviving that awesome number. Certainly there are 7 billion individual people with 7 billion slightly or vastly, depending on which two you sit together in the lifeboat, different opinions on the way of the world. Certainly, you often will be surprised by the book if you choose to ignore the cover, but in a world of seven billion fucking books, the covers are sometimes the only thing your tiny mind can handle. Just imagine going into a bookstore or, heaven forbid, a library with seven billion books. You walk in, you wanted to grab a couple of interesting books. But the shelves are stuffed with seven fucking billion books. Some with red bindings, other bound in leather, some fat, some slight. How do you judge which books will be the most interesting, edifying, enlightening, entertaining for you? Well, judging by the color of the spine is fruitless. Judging by number of pages or book thickness is pointless. So we look at the shelves and find the subject headings for guidance. Fiction, historical fiction, American authors. Non-fictions, world politics, Asia. Self-help, computers and gaming, graphic novels, cooking, news, politics. We turn to the categories. And our individual one of seven billion perspective on these categories is informed solely by our experiences with these categories in our past. I avoid Russian literature because once I read a book from that shelf and found it to be hopelessly dull. I gravitate toward the horror fiction because while I don't care too much for the works of Dean Koontz, I love the canon of Stephen King. We all know that these past experiences cannot possibly define in any specific or accurate way the sum total of the categories. We all know that to limit the category to our individual experience with a handful of books from a shelf of millions was just steeped in ignorance. And yet, and yet... We do define the shelves by our individual experience with one or two books from the stacks. Two of us can go to the teen literature section, and I associate it with Harry Potter, and you associate it with Twilight, and we both have a slightly insufficient experience with the genre. The southern literature section contains both Deliverance and Gone with the Wind. One may classify the Bible as history, another as religious studies, another as myths and legends. And with 7 billion books to parse out, it is a, mental, a matter of mental survival to rely on the categories. But I think that as we wander around the library, it becomes essential to the grease of socialization and civilization that we take the time to rely on the categories and human stereotypes while still having a solid comprehension that those categories and stereotypes are flawed as a matter of course. 
We can't help but judge each other by our covers. But if that's all we do, we're missing out on some fucking excellent reads. And welcome to episode 90 of Peculiar Journeys. It's been, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, uh, nothing's really changed. Um, we're about, uh, you know, we're about two months away from the election. Um, and things are, you know, typically in certain pockets getting out of control across the country. Little areas, uh, Chicago, New York. I saw a video in Rochester, New York, of uh, a group of Black, Lider, Black Lives Matter protesters d- deciding that they needed to bring discomfort to white people who feel safe. So they uh, basically attacked a, an outdoor restaurant and started throwing chairs and stuff. And that was a little weird. But it, it occurs to me that what Donald Trump has been doing to the country, this most of this four years, what looters are doing to cities... You burn it down and get what he wants. And I think, in my opinion, is to reward either one is a mistake. Um, I don't think demands should be rewarded. I think they should be worked on and earned. But this is just one of the things that I believe. Now, in the news, the things that were very interesting this week, Chadwick Boseman died. Um, He had uh, cancer. And apparently he had cancer from the minute he was filming Black Panther all the way through for the last four years. And, and, and from what I understand, he thought for sure he was going to beat cancer, and, and then he died. And it, one of the things that kind of bothers me um, is that he managed to keep, and his family, managed to keep his illness a complete secret. It was his private fucking business. And there's something I actually really appreciate beyond, you know, I think he was a fine actor, um, and seemed like a pretty nice guy was that I didn't know anything about his personal life. I didn't know who he was dating or if he was married or if he had kids. I don't know anything about Chadwick Boseman except for what Chadwick Boseman wanted me to see. And I actually think we should respect that. I don't want to know about his battle for cancer with cancer. I don't want to know, you know the details because he kept the details a personal secret. There is no reason, and I think it's quite disrespectful, that now that he's gone, that we somehow and unveil this for the world to kind of pick apart like a bunch of vultures of culture. I think it's interesting. Uh, other things that I'm noticing is that now we've got basically a dartboard um, of things that represent white supremacy. Um, apparently, testing and uh, merit-based inclusion into colleges is white supremacy. Uh, craft jam is white supremacy. Property ownership is white supremacy. Journalistic objectivity is now white supremacy. I, you know, it's getting a little fucking ridiculous. Okay, I understand. Let's just say the whole system is racist, but I don't buy it. I don't believe it. It's just a little ridiculous. Focus on the things that are actually racist in intent and impact rather than just saying everything about the system we live in is just based in white supremacy. Because I just think that's just uh, that's a non-starter, in my opinion. Um. Yeah, but that's it. In, in the casino world, we're just kind of the, the crazies are coming out. We're getting more, uh, more and more people that really want uh, 
more shit for free and get very angry when they're called out. It's one of the things that was very interesting as I was explaining to a new security officer on our on the casino floor. He, you know, he's just he's just kind of figuring things out. He's never done security before. And I asked him, I said, have you been checking IDs? And he said, uh, no, why? And I said, well, I said, here's the thing. I said, first of all, it is illegal to be on a casino floor without a valid identification. And I said, you understand what makes an identification valid, right? And so we talked a little bit about that. And as we know, it's going to be, I mean, right now we can have, because of the pandemic, we can have expired IDs, but they have to be expired this calendar year. It's got to have a picture and it can't be a photocopy and it can't be on your phone. It's got to be, you've got to have an ID. And he said, so we, you want me to check IDs? I said, well, here's the thing. I said, you know, it's always good to once in a while just check IDs, but I want you to look around the room. And if you see someone that you question, and now granted, don't jump to conclusions. I mean, we've got, we've got big players that drop $10,000 a day who dress like they just fucking got out of bed and haven't showered in a week. We've got some of those. Okay. So don't make the assumption based on the cover of the book that this is someone you want to boot. However, if you see someone that you think, eh, I don't know, they don't look like they're playing much or they're behaving in a weird, or if quite frankly, in this day and age, they're not wearing their mask properly. What I want you to do is use the theater of the room and go. And instead of going to people around that person and saying, I'm checking your ID, just go over and say, we're checking IDs. Um, do you mind if I look at your ID? Can I see your ID? And just do that like a couple of people around that person so that they can hear that that's happening. If they do not have an ID and they don't have business being on the floor, they're just going to get up and leave because they know they don't want to have their ID. They don't want to be kicked out. They're, they're just going to get up and they're going to split. If, on the other hand, they haven't split, you can, you've now kind of set the stage theatrically to go ahead and say, and I'm, we're checking IDs, and he knows that it's not him that you're singling out. That it's just that we're just checking IDs, and if he has an ID, bonus, then at least now you know this person who you kind of got a spidey sense about has an ID. And so he was, he he took that in. He thought that was a really good idea. He thought that was a, a nice tool in his toolbox. And then he watched me. And I walked over, I, and this was not long after, and I saw a guy that I, I, I just, you know, he wasn't really playing, and he had barked at the, uh, or, or my cocktail waitress a couple of times. He was prob probably kind of dollar or two in the machine, but he was milking that dollar or two for as many drinks as he could get, and he was being kind of hateful about it. He was like, come on, and snapping his fingers. So I walked over, and he said, yeah, you seem to be a little sketchy, so can I see your ID? When sketchy, I said, well, yeah, you're barking at my cocktail waitresses and you're only playing about $2, so I just need to see your ID. And he didn't have an ID and he got up and he left. And uh, the security officers came over and he said, yeah, you didn't use any of that theater you were talking about. I said, oh, that's for you. Me, I just prefer direct honesty. I'd rather just be straightforward. It's just easier for me. I don't know if it works. I don't, it seems to work for me. I don't get into a lot of confrontations. And just, it's just, you know, maybe it's a manager thing. I don't know. But that's been uh, one of the things that I've noticed. The other thing about uh, some of my security officers is, you know, it's a casino. So a lot of time is just, we're just, kind of watching people play we're taking sports bets we're serving drinks you know we're doing things that you do in a casino and so there's a lot of time on our hands 
Um, and so what's been very interesting is that uh, we've got some some folks that have some very interesting political opinions, and they want to share those political opinions. Um, I, I, it's hard for me. It's very difficult for me not to argue back when someone that I work with, uh, wants to hold court on what horse shit this hoax, uh, pandemic is, or want to, want to, want to trump it up Trump. And it's really hard for me not to go in for the debate, go in for the kill, really start. And I'm trying very hard to find my way to distance that because, well, you know, politics on a casino floor tend to create more problems than they create solutions. Um, Although I'd say that's not probably specific to the casino floor. I'd say it's probably specific to everywhere. Um, including a Walmart or a cafe or a library or whatever, you know, that thing. And, you know, as, as we, as, as we get ready for the next, I've got another piece I'm going to share with you, but, uh, yeah, um, my wife, Dana is been gone for almost two weeks now. She's coming back Tuesday. You know, it's an interesting thing because there is that there's an ache. I don't know how to explain it. There is an ache when someone you love, when someone you count upon on a regular daily basis is now thousands of miles away. There is, I mean, there's obviously the routine, you know, there's a simple routine and the routine gets changed. Um, And I don't really do lonely. I'm actually pretty good alone. And in some ways, this two weeks has been fine for me because it's given me some space to kind of really think about my life and where I'm going and my career and this guy, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I really, 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 really miss Dana. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I voted, uh, I voted the other day with the incredible Hulk plush toy that we have. She, he and I, he and I voted and two weeks is too fucking long. So I'm really looking forward to Dana coming home. You understand what I'm saying? It's not constitutional. You can't force me to wear a mask. It's against the law. You understand what I'm saying here? You can't make me. Like the teacher in the Peanuts cartoons, the guy was talking, but his words became garbled and unintelligible. It wasn't him. Despite the borderline sociopathy and the stupidity of his rant, He was still speaking clearly. I just no longer cared enough about the content of his opinion to bother listening any longer. His is one voice amongst the ear-shattering din of at least a couple hundred million with internet access and cable television who has a goddamned opinion. His is an opinion I've heard a thousand times in the past few months. I know that to him, his opinion is incredibly important, but I simply do not give a fuck. Later, while looking through my last remaining social media time suck Instagram, one of my photos of me in an in evil pie, which is a, a pizza joint here in Vegas, wearing my mask and you know throwing up the horns, has garnered a message. A Chicago acquaintance, a really funny guy, except for his strident wokeness, jumps on to scold me for having a mask with one of those plastic vent things. 
I simply type in laughter. Because while he's smart, mostly informed, I don't care what he thinks of my mask. I didn't ask for his input, and it affects him in no way, so who gives a shit? I realize, coming from me, that the following statement will likely cause neck injuries from the Bugs Bunny face-shaking incredulity, but you don't have to have a strong opinion about everything. Now, since ridding myself of membership in the Facebook Twitter clubs, I'm, find, I'm, I'm finding that place where I'm no longer quite so hell-bent on my own opinions. I certainly have ideas and perspectives, but I'm limiting them to what one person who decided that my perspective on free college was just too much for the cum sock of Litterdape.com. If you want to know what my opinion is on just about anything, you can seek it out there or on this podcast. But if you solicit my advice... I'm happy to share it. My wife calls it the tough love guru. And given it comes from an older man, it has in common the suck it up and learn to be an adult sort of viewpoint expected. Otherwise, I'm learning to do something it seems everyone has forgotten. The lost art of minding my own fucking business. I mean, I used to think my opinion mattered. I genuinely thought it did. What I've come to comprehend is that my opinion matters as much to most people as most people's opinions matter to me. I've also concluded that while there are definitely opinions I hold strongly, most aspects of society do not evoke a passionate response. Cultural appropriation? I don't really care. I mean, don't. The debate over biological science versus transgender ideology? It's not my fight. Free college? Hey, I already went. And I paid, so knock yourself out. We're living in ugly times. Violent protesters encountering police with tear gas. Armed counter-protesters shooting kids who claim to be anti-fascist while simultaneously becoming fascists in technique. A cancel culture denied by the very Twitterazzi who proliferated in a bizarre form of gaslighting. He wasn't canceled. He was just being held accountable. Two months before an epic election, eight months into a global pandemic, a few months away from a near economic collapse, too much to have opinions about, not enough smarts to go around, so many folks doing all they can to be seen and heard without having anything to say. The internet has created a thing called opinion inflation. I'd argue that cable news, 24-hour news, certainly paved the way for that. In the olden days, if your dry cleaner did a crap job, you went to a different dry cleaner. Now you go on Yelp and let the world know about your shitty experience in hopes that he gets shut down. Back in the day, if someone tipped poorly, you remembered them and then gave them less service next time they came in. Now we take a picture of the lack of tip and share our opinion on bad tippers. Every individual experience becomes a referendum on the entirety of society. It's fucking boring. It's maddening. It's a cultural shit show. But then, I remind myself that events that seem apocalyptic today sometimes end up being hugely positive if we're patient. The tiny things that go unreported can have huge effects. And the things that make the headlines can often amount to nothing more than noise. In the great book of human history, the trends are pointed in the right direction, albeit slowly. Progress is a methodical thing and often hits obstacles, has setbacks, and change, well, change is scary for most. 
I'll still write about my opinions as much as I want on Littered Ape, and I will say all the things I think on this podcast. If you're interested, cool. If not, cool. If you disagree, I'll engage, because that's how this is supposed to work. If you yell like a homeless meth addict, I'll just ignore you, because that's what we do with the stupid or the insane. Just like I ignore Trump, the rabid social justice Twitter mob, and that guy who doesn't like my mask. That's the podcast. I hope you enjoyed uh, today's podcast. And I hope you listen to next week's podcast. I hope you share this podcast with people you think might be interested in, in my opinion. And if not, it's fine. I don't give a shit. Um, do me a favor. If you if you haven't done it yet, go on to Amazon.com. Look up Problematic Movies of the 80s. It's now available on Kindle and paperback. So buy a book. Buy a book. It's not gonna, these are cheap books. And uh, I think it's a fun little, you know, read. You can read it on the toilet. It's been interesting, that book, because uh, people that are far younger than I am haven't even heard of some of these movies. And so I've got, like, one guy that I work with who bought the book and is now renting or streaming the movies and then reading what I wrote about them, which I think is kind of, it's like, I love the fact that he took the time and he's like, okay, I want to watch these movies. That's kind of interesting. Um, but with that in mind, buy the book. Check out LitteredApe.com. Have a great week. Be safe. Try to be COVID-free, and I'll talk to you next week. Peculiar Journeys is a weekly podcast featuring stories and thoughts from an arrogant, overly confident white guy. Lots of episodes were recorded while I was living in Chicago, and now I'm in Las Vegas. Check out donhall.vegas for updates and subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Vas a ganar feo, man.